Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. On this special two-part edition of the Pro Wrestling Index, myself and Mo Chatra are joined by my co-host on Booker T's Reality of Wrestling and Your Opinion Doesn't Matter, Brad Gilmore, to discuss the fallout and recap our thoughts from WrestleMania 32 from AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. In addition to that, we take questions and comments from the listeners via social media and a lively debate regarding the attendance numbers of WrestleMania itself. This is part one of a special two-part edition of PWI. Even though lately you've had some sunny days, my friend. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> stop the pain. Introducing <laughs> the Challenger. <laughs> Welcome to a very special post-WrestleMania edition of the Pro Wrestling Index. We've got a packed show, and we have a lot to discuss, so we're going to get things kicked off right now. Joining me, as always, is my co-commentating colleague from across the pond, Mo Chatra. How are you doing, my friend, after a big weekend for WWE? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there, Matt. Um, very tired. Probably had about eight hours of sleep over the last three days or four days. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good fun, though, nonetheless. Um, enjoyed staying up. Enjoyed keeping up with all the stuff that was being talked about, all, all the wrestling shows over social media and everywhere else. And, um, wow, what a weekend. So much to talk about. Yeah, no doubt about it all. Also joining me here in the studio is the man who was with me for WrestleMania weekend in the Big D, Dallas, Texas, He's my co-host on Reality of Wrestling and on the main event of podcasts, Your Opinion Doesn't Matter, Brad Gilmore. What's going on, everybody? As fate would have it, my iPhone and God are, are on my side today because as soon as you were introducing me, I got a notification from Amazon that my brand new Nikki Bella shirt arrived at my house. Oh, wow. I am, I am excited. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, there you go. I am so Please. excited. What's going on, everybody? Happy to be back. Here yeah. on the show, I it's heard. Been a while. I heard that Sheamus wants to bro kick one of the all's uh, players that you don't like so much, Martin off Skirtle, the, off the field. Did you hear this news, Mo? I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah and I couldn't disagree with him. <laughs> 
It's the one time everyone's rooting for Seamus. Yeah, it is. It's it's the one time people are not chanting, you look stupid. <laughs> well, uh, we've got a big show, so let's get right into it. Uh, WrestleMania was a close to seven-hour event between the pre-show, uh, the lead-up to the event itself, then the event itself, then the post-coverage as well. It, it really was uh, just a, a huge and overwhelming event. As I said, Brad and I were there in person, and just to give everybody a little bit of context uh, what what it was like to actually be there. It it really was sensory overload. It was it was absolutely unbelievable from the size of AT&T Stadium to the scale of the production from World Wrestling Entertainment. I don't think anyone in the history of live entertainment, whether it be sports entertainment, whether it be a concert or any other style of event, the Super Bowl, whatever, has ever put on an event quite like what took place at AT&T Stadium on Sunday night. What What say you, Brad, about what we witnessed there? Man, I mean, sensory overload is the right way to put it. Um, my first WrestleMania I ever attended, uh, it was incredible. It lived up to all the hype and expectation that I had going to a WrestleMania for the first time. And, uh, I, 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 you know, we were talking about it, Matt. Like, you know, we got a, a pretty exclusive experience. So it was like a hell of a way to kick off your first WrestleMania. So I really enjoyed it. I had a blast. That is the most beautiful stadium I've ever been inside of. And what a spectacle. Yeah, and it was the biggest uh, stadium that I've ever been in as well. It was the biggest building I've ever been yeah, in. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to say, Mo, we haven't had a chance really to watch the entire event on the WWE Network yet. We experienced it in person. We know that there are some bipolar and differing opinions regarding the quality of this WrestleMania, and I guess we'll, we'll get into it right now. But overall, your impression of what you saw on the WWE Network, watching the show live at home. What was your takeaway from WrestleMania? Well, I was of the overall opinion that the WWE WrestleMania is increasingly becoming a nostalgia show, almost like the ECW equivalent of One Night Stand, where seemingly every year, guys who were a part of WWE's history turn up and um, get to do their thing, and the guys that are there day in, day out as regular members of the roster play second fiddle. And never has WrestleMania uh, featured that to such an extent where the guys who are the here and the now and the future uh, were made to look like second-class citizens to the stars of yesteryear. And that was uh, very disappointing. But on the other hand, I actually thought a number of the matches were really good. Two or three of them are great, in fact. So whilst um, certain aspects of the show really frustrated me, um, other aspects of it uh, really impressed me. And as you noted um, from your live experience, and it came across on TV, um, the whole presentation, um, everything just looked so grand, and it looked like something that nobody else in entertainment or sport can do. So uh, you have to give the WWE credit for that. It was quite the spectacle. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I've never seen anything like it. The overall size uh, of the of, of the event, um, the moving parts, the many moving parts that existed behind the scenes and on stage and under the stage and to the side of the stage. We were we were parked just parallel to um, to the side of the stage, and so we were able to see when when certain items were being brought up, like the rocks sign, which eventually was lit on fire, or the giant 30-foot box of bootios. Um, and it was just incredible to see all the different moving parts that went into to making this show a reality. So, so now that we've talked about the presentation of the show, let's talk about what happened at the show. 
We've got a lot of questions in our mailbag, so we're going to skip the pre-show because some of the questions in our mailbag pertain to things that happened in the pre-show. We're going to go right into this thing where the official card opened, and it opened with a ladder match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship featuring Sin Cara, The Miz, Stardust, Dolph Ziggler, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Zack Ryder. Brad, I will start with you. Yes. This matchup, your overall takeaway from the Intercontinental title ladder match and the finish itself, Zack Ryder, of course, becoming the IC title winner on Sunday night. Um, you know, uh, going into this match, I was like, okay, yeah, it's a ladder match. They're, they're always a little bit exciting. You know, but, you know, how— how much stuff are they going to do that we haven't seen already from previous ladder matches? And I thought they I thought they uh, showed me a lot of things I'd never seen before. I thought Sin Cara, when he's tipping over off the ladder, jumping on the top rope, and then doing a senton on everybody, that was really quite a, a spectacle. There was that uh, frog splash, I think, with— uh, You Kevin Owens on, on Sami Zayn on, on the ladder. Sami Zayn, not the last frog splash of the night, but a very important one. Yeah. Boom, onto Sami. And then, um, I mean, there were so many things going on there. And then when I saw The Miz— Climbing up the ladder after he threw Sami Zayn <laughs> off. I was like, if The Miz wins this title, I'm going to be okay with it. But they're doing it just to screw with everybody yeah. and like, and it gets a good laugh in. But then The Miz gets thrown off. Zack Ryder climbs up. Those titles swinging in the rafters. I'm like, no way Zack Ryder wins it. Zack Ryder unhooks that thing, and he wins the championship. And the place loses their pop. mind. Yeah. I, I pop hard for Zack Ryder, so I, I enjoyed it. Me too. Mo, what did you think of this finish? Yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? Um, the match itself exceeded my expectations. I thought it would be a really good match, but I thought it was actually a really great match. And uh, credit goes to uh, um, Sami Zayn in particular because he really pulled out all the stops. I mean, as if it wasn't enough that he had um, a match of the year contender against Nakamura um, just two days before, um, he was on fire in this match. He was going uh, from here to there to everywhere and um, pulling off some unique spots that we've never seen in these ladder matches in the WWE. And uh, for him, for me, he was the MVP of the match. But you've got to give credit to the other guys, like Sin Cara, as you mentioned, uh, Brad. You know, he also put in a great effort. And overall, it was a really high-tempo, energetic opener. Uh, it really kicked off the show in fine style, and it was a, a great uh, contest. I was just a bit disappointed that um, Kevin Owens uh, didn't emerge victorious. I really think they need to do something with him this year, move him into the title picture, uh, which we sort of uh, saw um, night after, which we'll come on to. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it was a great start to the show. Here's the big question before we move on from this match, since you brought up Kevin Owens. Mo, do you think a rivalry between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn is strong enough to stand on its own without the Intercontinental title in the middle of it? Absolutely, I do, yeah. Um, what's good is that the WWE these days is more open to acknowledging the past and um, especially the past and the history of individuals um, outside of the WWE. In the past of the WWE, um, they pretended as if um, um, any other promotion outside of the company didn't exist, and that's not the case anymore. Uh, they will openly talk about... Um, these guys having had a long and checkered history with one another in various promotions around the world. Um, so that kind of uh, backstory certainly helps um, to give this program enough of an um, angle to it. And that's why um, these two guys don't need a title to necessarily have a great uh, feud and uh, great matches to go along with it. 
Fair enough. What do you think about that, Brad, before we move on? Strong enough? Yeah, more than strong enough. And I don't. I, I mean, I agree, actually, with everything Mo said on that one. I mean, they don't need the title. It's one of those feuds. It doesn't need – there's no There's no more reason that they need besides of the, the you know, the story that they have already. Right, the and animosity. Between the animosity the between yeah. the two of them. Thank right, you. Right, exactly. So – all right, fair enough. All right, let's move on to the next match, which followed, and that was Chris Jericho versus AJ Styles. This was the fourth confrontation between these two in what has been a long feud dating back as long as three months. Chris Jericho with the victory. I was surprised when I saw it. Were you surprised, Brad? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I know on our prediction show. We both picked AJ, AJ Styles. And, and, and we were both wrong. And, and, you know, I thought, okay, you know, AJ's going into it with already. Here's the thing is I didn't think about it that he already had two wins going into it, right, going into this feud. Yeah. Um, so really there was more pressure, the uh, kayfabe continuity perspective from Chris Jericho to win this match uh, than there was from AJ. I didn't think of that kind of psychology going into it. But uh, I thought the match itself was, was excellent. AJ Styles came on the big stage in front of 101 thousand seven hundred sixty three people and he really showed what he can do on 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 the stage of wrestlemania he took the l but it's okay because i think he uh more than made up for it the following night and and so did the wwe so i enjoyed it mo what did you think of this match did you enjoy it and how did you feel about the finish i enjoyed the match uh, in most parts i thought there was some sl slight sloppiness there which unfortunately uh, we have to expect with Jericho now. I think he's past his prime and um, he can't keep up with AJ Styles. And that's why it wasn't as smooth as you normally see with an AJ Styles match. Uh, the finish had me fuming though. I really, really didn't understand any reason for having Chris Jericho go over AJ Styles. AJ Styles was brought in with huge fanfare at Royal Rumble. Um, he was allowed to skip NXT and come straight onto the main roster. And that seemed to suggest that the company had big, big plans for him. And that's not to say they don't have big plans for him, but I just didn't think that having a feud with somebody who lost to uh, Fandango two or three years back at WrestleMania was necessarily the ideal way to get him over as a genuine main eventer. And certainly not losing to Chris Jericho um, at the biggest WrestleMania of all time. So... It was really a nonsensical thing, and that was um, the first of a recurring theme um, on this show, um, the first example of that. So that, that wasn't particularly great. Uh, but the match itself, I thought, was uh, pretty damn good. Let me present a hypothetical scenario here, though. At WrestleMania three, the match that everybody talks about after Hogan and Andre, and some people who talk about it before they talk about Hogan and Andre, is Savage Steamboat. Now, many people don't talk about who won the match. Correct. Most people don't care. What they talk about is how great the match was. And going into this, I mean, we, I, I do acknowledge and I do agree, Mo, that Chris Jericho did lose to Fandango a few years ago at WrestleMania. But he's also the first ever undisputed champion in WWF Rock history. Rock and Austin, same night. Exactly. And in addition to that, he's a former six-time world heavyweight champion. So is it very unlikely to assume that Chris Jericho could defeat, if we're talking about kayfabe continuity, AJ Styles at this event? So is it is it what angers you? Is it the fact that it doesn't make sense, or does it anger you because you feel like this is pulling the rug out from under AJ Styles? It's the latter. It's certainly pulling the rug from under AJ Styles. They need to be getting momentum behind the guys that are going to be carrying this company uh, through this year, uh, week in, week out. 
Chris Jericho, as we know, um, will come in for a few months and then he'll decide, okay, I want to do a, uh, a tour with Fozzie in Europe, so I'm going to disappear for another six months. And there's every chance that you know he'll have plans to do um, touring with his band um, over the summer months and cover various festivals. So he'll probably be gone uh, within the next couple of months. AJ Styles will be here throughout the rest of the year. This was the absolutely ideal forum for AJ Styles to get a huge notable win against one of the WWE's uh, most well-known active roster members in Chris Jericho, and the WWE chose not to give him that win. And, uh, but he already beat him twice. He has beaten him twice, but that was on shows that um, certainly have far less um, exposure than WrestleMania. WrestleMania is the show at which uh, the results and outcomes of matches are remembered for a lifetime, um, not SmackDown or Raw. And, uh, you know, it's the match against Jericho, um, you know, never mind years from now, even a few weeks or a few months from now, that people remember, and they'll remember that Jericho beat Styles. And that's certainly not ideal if they really have intentions of making AJ Styles um, a main event player in the WWE. Well, see, I mean, I, I tend to disagree, but also I want to say something that a, a WWE Hall of Famer and a well-respected mind of the pro wrestling business said uh, in Jim Ross. He said he said in a, a Sports Illustrated article that he did today, he said, many people thought the wrong guy won in Chris Jericho, but if all the variables of who's going over are somewhat even, then loyalty is a consideration. Chris Jericho is an incredible talent and has done an awful lot for the company, and loyalty should be, be, should be valued beyond just a payday. But believe me, AJ Styles will prevail, and you will see a follow-up the next night on Monday Night Raw, which we did see. And I think that what happened, like Matt said, um, no one no one talks about you know who won the Savage Steamboat match. No one talks about who won the uh, Undertaker Shawn match. You talk about what a spectacle it was and what a good showing the, the two people had. And I think you know a year from now, I don't even think about Chris Jericho and Fandango, so I'm not even going to take that in consideration. And I, and I think no one's going to think about the uh, the loss AJ Styles had at WrestleMania. I don't think it was that devastating because the next night, now he's going to main event the very next pay-per-view for the championship. So, I mean, I don't think that this was – it was a decision I would have made personally, no. But was I upset at the decision? Not even in the slightest. So, uh, la- Last point on this, Mo, I want to ask you this question regarding the match. What do you think WWE's reasoning was for making the decision to put Jericho over on AJ Styles at WrestleMania? I can't think of any good reason whatsoever other than to perhaps appease Jericho. Um, I think they decided, well, okay, we're going to push AJ Styles. We're going to kickstart that at Monday Night Raw. Um, But because Jericho um, has been a loyal servant to us for, what, 17 years nearly. Um, Let's reward him with a big win in front of a record-setting crowd of about 97,000, I have to uh, point out, Brad. Um, I I totally don't agree that it was 101,000. I I forgot you were there. I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) I must have missed you. So did you go around counting everyone that was there then, Brad? No, but I'm sure Meltzer had his counter out. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're going to get on to it. We're going to get on to it, guys. Let's 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 move forward to the rest of these matches first. I promise we're going to get to the attendance controversy because it has been a topic of conversation all day on various podcasts, including our own. Um, OK, so next matchup was the League of Nations versus the New Day. Now, Mo, when we talked about this match last week on the show, I was under the impression and I think most people were. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you were under this impression as well that this was for the tag team titles. Uh, as it turns out, this matchup was not for the tag team titles. It was New Day versus League of Nations. It was three on three. It wasn't four on three. They had King Barrett with them. Uh, this matchup, another surprise finish in my mind in that the League of Nations went over. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't have bet in a million years that the League of Nations would have went over. But then the big surprise came after and the appearance of Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, I can attest personally to being there in the house when this happened. When I saw Shawn Michaels come out, you hear Shawn's music after King Barrett cuts that promo at the end of the match. No three men can take down the League of Nations. And then Shawn Michaels comes out, and he's in his gear. He's in his damn gear. I'm losing my mind. Foley comes out dressed in his full Cactus Jack outfit. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out ready to serve up a can of whoop-ass. The place was going absolutely bananas. Mo, what was your reaction watching this on the WWE Network as it unfolded? Well, my first reaction when I saw Austin turn out was, um, wow, he's been spending a lot of time in Wendy's, hasn't he? Um, yeah, he was looking a bit, <laughs> he was looking a bit out of shape. Um, but uh, you know, it was just amazing to see those three uh, come out. Nobody, um, well, we we knew that they were going to be involved in some capacity, um, but nonetheless, it was still a surprise when they did come out. And the reaction for us in particular uh, was by far the loudest of the show. It was unbelievably loud, and I mean that was just from watching it on TV. So I can't even imagine uh, the noise that was generated within the building. Uh, for you two guys who were there live uh, but yeah it was it was good to see that but again it was guys who are well past it in terms of um, their relevance to the product um, being put over guys who arguably could all uh, main event the, the WWE at this moment in time and um, it really served no purpose other than to get a big pop and if they wanted to do a spot like that I would rather they have done something like that with you know, uh, the social outcasts who nobody really takes seriously, not three guys who could potentially headline for you. So that really, again, was short-sighted to say the least, just like putting Jericho over was short-sighted. Uh, the only thing I'll say is, is uh, there's my only criticism of the match could have been not, not that, you know, League of Nations won over New Day. My only criticism would be, uh, I wish that the, the uh, League of Nations may have, cheated just a little more you know got a little bit more heat on them to really set it up for the three uh, legends to return um i personally couldn't see stone cold steve austin's uh, gut because i was too like going out of my mind to see him so i'll, I'll take your word for that one mo but uh when we saw sean come out in his tights like in his wrestling he gear, looked, he looked ready to go he, he looked great oh man he looked in the best shape i've seen him for well, maybe ever. Um, I mean, he even looked in great he shape. Yeah, he was shredded. He was cut. He clearly had been taking his vitamins. So his uh, Icopro. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Not yeah, Icopro. 
<laughs> and even Foley, I mean, he's lost a good, what, 50 pounds, I think he was saying on the Austin yeah. podcast a few days ago. So um, that, again, you know, was cool to see. Um, and, yeah, it was a great nostalgia moment. Um, but did it serve any purpose beyond the show uh, for the WWE as a whole? Absolutely not. But, and, but I also want to say, like, that's, for me, that's kind of what WrestleMania is to a certain extent of this is where the storybook ends for the year. The stories are done. We can pick it back up in part two, which is the next night on Raw, right? This is the sequel. This is Back to the Future Part Two. Um, this is what's what's coming next. So I think that to a certain extent, and I'm not saying by and large, Mo, but to a certain extent, there can be those moments where you close the book and you don't have to further anything else. It can just be, okay, this is a one and done. We're out of here. Goodbye. Kind of like what we saw with, with Shane and Taker, you know, later on. And I know we're going to get to it, but that's kind of like you can, you can end the storybook, boom, at Mania. My final thoughts on this are, are, are very simply this. Uh, I, I felt like from the very beginning, this rivalry, this match they were setting up between the League of Nations and between New Day was sort of shoe, shoehorned into this thing. So that's one reason why I don't have a problem with the interference. I certainly don't have a problem with Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, and Stone Cold Steve Austin being in front of me live or on my television for a WrestleMania. I think that will always uh, be good and beneficial for the show because at the end of the day, in my mind, WrestleMania is a spectacle, and you have to have moments like that. And for me, that was the type of WrestleMania moment that these other six competitors, unfortunately, can't deliver to us right now. No disrespect to the New Day because they're absolutely fantastic, but comparing the New Day to three Hall of Famers and three of the biggest stars in the history of the business, uh, I think uh, it speaks for itself. So with that being said, I thought it was a good moment. I really enjoyed it. The crowd seemed to go crazy for it, especially when Austin showed up, and I think that's what you wanted at WrestleMania. Austin had one of the loudest pops of the night, and I'll just go out on a limb right now and say the other the other three. Uh, Austin, Rock, Cena, Sasha. Those were the loudest pops of Sasha the night. Sasha Banks had a, had a really nice pop. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, continue. Um, that's pretty much it. Any final thoughts on this match? No, 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 no. I was saying let's get to the next one, brother. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then we'll move right along. Next up was the Beast Incarnate Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman versus Dean Ambrose No Holds Barred Street Fight. Now, here is a match where I think some legitimate criticism can be put on the table from a standpoint that I wanted to see Dean Ambrose go over. Am I completely upset that it didn't happen? No, I'm not completely upset. But I thought that this was an opportunity missed to build a star, a, a babyface star that can take the next step in the main event and possibly become the next WWE champion with a win over Brock Lesnar. They did this to make Lesnar remain very, very strong. What comes next for Lesnar? I don't know. Mo, what were your thoughts when you saw this match and when you saw the finish? Yeah, it was another frustrating finish. It was really, really dumb um, overall as a feud because at no point was Dean Ambrose presented as an equal to Brock Lesnar uh, or someone that might even, by a fluke, be uh, able to defeat Brock Lesnar. Um, at most of the segments on Raw or SmackDown, um, he'd get some brief offense in here or there, um, but then Brock Lesnar would leave him laying. And... Uh, we then saw him lose to um, Triple H at Roadblock, and then we saw him lose again to Brock Lesnar in what almost was like a, a glorified squash match, really. It was one where Brock Lesnar dominated the bulk of it. Uh, Dean got some offense in uh, towards the end, and then Lesnar came back and uh, won it clean. And um, Dean Ambrose was almost um, 
um, confirmed his mid-card for life after that, as far as I was concerned. Again, it was a horrible missed opportunity because had Dean Ambrose gone over in the right way, then, as we talked about last week, um, it could have been a huge career-defining win for him. WWE chose not to take the opportunity to put Brock Lesnar over. Had Brock lost, I don't think it would have really damaged his aura or um, his star value to the company in any way. And, uh, you know, one person stood to gain a lot. Uh, the other stood not to gain a huge amount, win or lose. And um, WWE... Um, almost um, chickened out of um, a great opportunity there, and that's a real, real shame. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say about the match. I kind of agree uh, that, that Dean maybe should have been the one to go over. Like you said, Matt, was I was I terribly uh, frustrated at it? No, but uh, I think that the, it, everything was really set up for him to go over, so it was kind of strange that he didn't. But I do want to say that I think he took, like, more than a dozen suplexes from Brock. I think 13 was Th the 13, and he got an F5 on a pile of chairs after being beat half to death with a kendo stick. So, I mean, he didn't he didn't look like, you know, he was too much of a weakling. He got his ass kicked, you know, if we're looking at, you know, kayfabe. I mean, he got his ass kicked and he got beat, but he took a hell of a beating and it took a lot to beat him. So, I mean, that's all I'll say. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's true. But at the same time, I mean, he also didn't look like he was that competitive in the match. And, and I think that's the thing is if you're going to have Lesnar go over on Ambrose after you've built this match the way they had, um, he should have looked a little bit more competitive I don't feel like that really happened. I, I, there was not a moment in that match where I felt like Dean Ambrose has a chance to beat Brock Lesnar. And as a fan, you kept waiting for that moment to come, e even just a little, a little twinge, a little preview of it. It never quite happened. It never quite materialized. And uh, I have to agree with you, Mo, on, on this standpoint. I don't think there's any way for Dean Ambrose to move into the main event picture now as a, as a top babyface. Uh, pursuing the championship after a loss like this. I think something dramatic is going to have to happen to change that, but I think the way this match was booked is now confirmation for me as well that WWE has no plans to go in that direction with Dean Ambrose. Your final thoughts, Mo? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it was a, it was a match that I thought was okay. Um, you know, there was some good um, points to it, despite the fact it was a squash match. Um, but, yeah, it, it was just... Um, the wrong thing to do because Dean Ambrose is somebody who has been at various points in the last two, two and a half years really over. And I just think that any glimmer of hope that fans had in him um, was completely extinguished on the night. So that, that was a crying shame. Here's a, here's a final question uh, regarding Brock Lesnar for the both of you. WWE makes this decision to put Brock over on Dean. So they're basically choosing to continue to build Lesnar instead of building a new main event star in Dean Ambrose. So with that being said, what do you think the plan is for Brock Lesnar? Is he going back after the WWE Championship? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't answer the question. I, I, I don't really know. Mo? Really know. Well, um, he wasn't there the next night on Raw, so there's certainly no immediate plans, or so it seems, for him to um, contend for the title straight away. Um, but I would expect something at uh, SummerSlam, um, possibly around the title. Um, but with him just completely dismissing Dean Ambrose in such a contemptuous way, is that a word even? Sorry, contemptuous. Sorry, it's late here in the UK. Uh, you know what it, I mean, I think, though. I, I, think, I think what you're looking for is contemptible. Yeah. There you go. British That's people can say anything, though, and it sounds right. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I was going to go with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
it, it was just um, sorry, I've I've even lost the point I was trying to make now. Um, oh, that's right. With with the way in which he defeated Dean Ambrose, I thought that it really limits the opponents that now are left for him to have a uh, program with that fans will take seriously because. If he was able to dominate Dean Ambrose from beginning to end in this program in the way he did, then how are people expected to believe that somebody like a Sami Zayn or even a Kevin Owens can have a competitive program with Brock Lesnar? And then you're left thinking, well, okay, there's perhaps Cena, there's Triple H, he's already feuded with, and maybe Seth Rollins, and that's possibly, possibly uh, Roman Reigns, and that's about it. And when you're... Um, yeah, but then the size difference again, I mean, you know, AJ's quite small. He's a lot smaller than Dean Ambrose even. And uh, that's left me thinking that backing themselves into the corner by trying to make Brock Lesnar seem like too much of a monster and uh, protecting him too much to the extent that it's damaging um, the opportunities they've got to book him in viable feuds that can um, really make money for the company. Yeah, I think, well, I think they have a, a, a feud planned in the future between Brock and Shaq. Uh, so, <laughs> so. All right, next up was um, the WWE Women's Championship Triple Threat. A big deal has been made about the Divas title being changed to the brand new Women's Championship and the women's division alive and well once again in WWE. Lita presented the title uh, earlier in the evening at WrestleMania, and it was Charlotte with Ric Flair versus Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks getting a nice uh, intro there from Snoop Dogg. S-N-O-O-P-D-O-W-G. Absolutely. But in the end... It was Charlotte, who I said last week would be the best standard bearer for this new women's championship. Charlotte retains the title with the assistance and help of Ric Flair. I thought this was a great match. I thought this was the best Divas match or women's match in WrestleMania history. Yeah. Mo, what did you think? I thought it was the best match in the WWE's history, in fact, um, excluding NXT, of course. For women's I, wrestling, you mean? For women's wrestling, okay. sorry. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Just to clarify. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just a fantastic match. Um, Fast-paced, um, all action. They were going at it for, what, 16, 17 minutes. 16 and... minutes, uh, exactly, actually, was the length of the match. Right, okay. And um, the energy that was shown by all three was fantastic. I was really, really pleased to see the reaction to Sasha. Um, as you pointed out, Brad, of the um, active um, current roster, um, she got the first or second biggest pop of the night, which yeah. is just amazing to see and really pleasing as well, um, especially because she's my girl. Uh, so I was, I was really pleased to see the reaction to the match. I was really pleased that it was a great match. Um, I was disappointed that Sasha didn't go over. But as I talked about last week, if Charlotte was to go over, I wasn't going to be disappointed because I'm also a very big fan of hers as well. And it was great to see that the division and the whole uh, revolution um, is now finally starting to bear fruit and uh, fans are t starting to take the division seriously. And it was a great way to usher in the new era. And many of the things that I enjoyed that Sh Sasha, or not Sasha, Charlotte did as well, which you also pointed out during the match when we were watching it, Brad, was she's got those little nuances that remind you 
much of her father, yeah. you know. Um, you see it every time, you know, she claps her hands in frustration when there's a kick out. She's going for the uh, the quick covers constantly and uh, doing a lot of heelish flair type stuff. And I think it's going to work out down the road uh, and, and become a great rivalry between her and Sasha Banks because, as we've seen before with other flares, um, with Ric Flair, uh, it makes the most sense to have a baby face chasing the heel champion and i think it'll be great for sasha i think it'll be great for charlotte and great for the new women's championship uh yeah uh, i thought yeah you know, i wanted to see sasha go over you know i mean i think sasha uh out of all the women they have currently on their roster is the complete and total package uh she has the wrestling she has the, the looks um, hands down she's a great character and, and a great talker so she's I certainly she, selling the most merch as well she's selling a lot of merch uh you know a lot <sighs> got a big pop i mean she's got a lot going for her. so i i really like uh, sasha banks thought she should have gone over uh great women's match i'm glad it's the women's championship i'm glad that the divas belt is is no longer the butterfly belt was was a little was a little ridiculous i i do want to say because i know we didn't talk about it in the pre-show but thank you brie bella for all your contributions and uh you will be missed in and out of the ring of course uh but this match was great and i and, and i think sasha i mean i think charlotte will be a great i mean i think she's a better heel than she is a face uh, by leaps and bounds. Agreed. So, and I think Sasha can work as both. I think Becky Lynch kind of gets lost in the shuffle here, and I'm okay with that. I'm not as into her as as some people are. I think that uh, it's really the, the crown jewels are, are Charlotte and Sasha. Uh, final point on Sasha, by the way, because you had media credentials for, for WrestleMania access this mm-hmm. past weekend. So you had an opportunity to spend some time with her and some of the other divas yeah. as well. And you made a very keen observation about the draw that Sasha Banks is. I mean, Sasha Banks had a larger uh, crowd waiting in her access line than Alberto Del Rio, AJ Styles, Cesaro, Dolph Ziggler, Ricky Steamboat, wow. Chris Jericho. I mean, longer than all of them. Incredible. I mean, it was it was it was really a sight to see. Yeah. All right. Well, that is. Uh... And she looks good in person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to move on because we have a lot yet to cover. So let's get into a match that I inaccurately predicted would be the main event of this car because I thought I was for sure the control of the company would be on the line here. This has to go on last. It didn't. It was The Undertaker versus Shane McMahon, Hell in a Cell. (laughs) Where do we begin? Because there's so much to talk about. I think this was The Undertaker's best WrestleMania performance since his CM Punk match. I thought uh, this was Shane. I don't I don't know what Shane felt like he had to prove, but he proved it. <laughs> and uh, I, I can't believe that dive. But, Mo, why don't you take it, and then, then we'll talk. Okay. Yeah, it was quite the spectacle. I mean, you know, we talked about the show being a spectacle, but this match was certainly a spectacle. And I've got to give credit because, um, you know, you know Shane. You know he's not be, he's not a wrestler, obviously, and he's somebody who's not been in the ring for many years. And despite that, he looked completely at home, and um, really came across like a, a credible uh, worker as well. Because um, you know he was doing stuff in there that really was impressive, um, even for somebody who might be a, a veteran of the business. Never mind a part timer who's not actually had a match for what seven, eight, nine years. So that that was good. That spot off the cage, though, oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I genuinely feared for his life because I thought, no, no, um, this is not a proper worker. He doesn't know how to take these kind of bumps. Sure, I mean, he's fallen from heights before, but, you know, this is something else on a different level entirely. And he did it. 
to his credit. And, uh, you know, you've got to have, you know, balls the size of coconuts times 10 to do something like that. And he did it. And I'm so impressed that he did. And uh, that made the match. And even before that, though, I thought it was turning into quite a match. And uh, that really took over the top. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a shame, actually, that some people thought it was a poor match. I mean, you know, we talked about Dave Meltzer earlier, and I think he was one of the people that thought it wasn't a great match. I disagree. I thought it was a great match because, um, you know, it was building up nicely. It had this huge high spot, the high spot of high spots. And then it had um, a great finish with um, great kind of story, um, facial expressions and uh, reactions back and forth uh, in the moments leading up to um, uh, the tombstone. So it was just a, a very well done piece. Again, though, I thought the result was the wrong one. Um, I really thought that Shane going over would stir things up nicely, give that really huge um, paradigm shift to the whole dynamic of uh, the authority and everything else around that. And the WWE again um, copped out of it and decided not to go in that direction. Undertaker won. And the whole um, rule control um, is, uh, as per the status quo, with the authority remaining in charge. So that was disappointing. But again, the match was great. I was surprised that Shane didn't win this match via some sort of outside interference. There's no way in my mind, being a wrestling fan and looking at this from a kayfabe perspective, that Shane McMahon is ever beating The Undertaker one-on-one. Ever. If that, if that were to happen, well, then The Undertaker would need to retire immediately because I don't know how he would be able to look at himself in the mirror. Um, but there was no interference in this matchup, which surprised me. There was no Vince McMahon appearances at all at WrestleMania, which surprised me. I thought there would be some sort of surprise return that would swing this match one way or another. We didn't see that. But what we did see was great storytelling between the two of them. What we did see was Shane McMahon giving us a top five WrestleMania moment of all time. Top five? I mean, that's the high, most of this is the highest of high spots. Well, listen, the last couple of days, I've been under fire from this guy named Mark. Okay, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say top five so that people can debate it and we can have a friendly right. discussion. I but, agree, top but, five. But, but what I will say is I also enjoyed the bravado from Shane McMahon afterwards after crashing through the table after a 25-foot leap to the floor for him to say to The Undertaker, you know, come on, bring it. I still got some more. more." And The Undertaker was happy to oblige a tombstone pile driver in the middle of the ring. The Undertaker wins. The Undertaker continues to look strong at WrestleMania. He will be at WrestleMania next year in Orlando. It looks like that will happen now, which where we would assume once again will be his retirement match, but everyone's been assuming he's going to be retiring for the last five years. five, six years. Um, And Shane McMahon did exactly what he needed to do. He took a couple of big high risks. He took one of the the most high-risk spots in the history of professional wrestling uh, and sports entertainment, and he gave us a moment we'll never forget. And so for that, we have to say thank you to Shane McMahon. So again, recapping where we are so far, we've had a great Intercontinental Championship matchup. We've had a huge moment with Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, and Shawn Michaels being on this show and being involved in a physical altercation. We had Charlotte retaining the Divas title or the women's title, excuse me, in a great match that involved some Ric Flair interference. And we had Shane McMahon diving off the top of a hell in a cell. That's what we've had so far. Brother. Now, let's go to the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Okay, yeah. So um, you and I were expecting something. Someone was big was going to be in this match, Matt. And we were actually talking to, uh, I don't know the referee's name, and I can't remember his name. Uh, 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 Jack Dome. 
No, no, no. That that was the uncle. Oh, okay. What, what we were talking to one of the referee's kids, uh, his son, which is a cool guy. I can't remember his name, but he's the ref who who uh, ref the main event. But we were getting this information that someone big was going to be in the in the uh, battle royal, and someone who's bigger than the big show is what they kept saying. And so uh, when we're seeing these entrances come by, I actually spot out Baron Corbin and a couple other people, and I said, I think I was like, I think that's Tatanka. And then um, and then DDP comes out, which was really cool. Big Show comes out, and then Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> enters the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and everybody in that arena, everyone popped, and everyone was confused at the same time. But I, I liked it. It was a, it was, it was a good spot for the Battle Royal. I know that was a big, uh, a problem. Chad Patton, by Chad the way. Chad Patton. Yeah. I know that was a big, uh, problem. A lot of people had was the placement of the Battle Royal. I thought it was good because you just had this hell in a cell match, which was so emotionally draining. You need something to break break it up before you get to the main event uh, match and before you get to anything else. So I thought this was a good segment, a good placement for the Battle Royal. And I appreciated Baron Corbin going over in this match. The guy makes his debut on the main roster at WrestleMania, wins a match at the biggest mania of all time. They really set him up for big things going into the, uh, the main roster and now uh, you know his, his run up there. So I I liked the match. I liked it. Now, Mo, you and I have both talked about Baron Corbin on this show. We talked about him last week and whether or not he was going to take the next step. On the grandest stage of them all, he is one of only, what, three winners of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. This is a huge moment for him, and WWE put all their chips on the table. Do you agree with this decision, and how did you feel about the finish and about the placement of this match and all of that stuff? Well, I found it a bit strange that the uh, Battle Royal went on as a penultimate match. Um, but as we know, they'd like to put on a match uh, before the main event to bring the crowd down. Um, because normally um, the match that's two matches before the main event is normally quite a hot one. And so it was understandable that they wanted to avoid the usual thing of putting a Divas match on in that position. And so they went with the Battle Royal, which is fine, which is fair enough. Um, and yeah, I agree with Brad as well. It was actually uh, better than I expected. Um, the uh, surprise entrances like the Shaq and DDP, um, it was made for quite an entertaining one um, by usual standards. And as far as Baron Corbin winning, um, well, they certainly swerved me because I, I was almost predicting that WWE was losing faith in them um, only last week, wasn't I? And they clearly haven't because they brought him up to the main roster. And, you know, kudos to them because, you know, I've criticized uh, WWE on this pod um, during this show uh, for not pushing the younger guys well. They put over um, somebody who's straight up from NXT, and uh, that, that was pleasing to see. And I hope that Baron um, can prove that I was wrong and really establish himself and make himself something. And what, what he's got going for him is that he's got star presence. He's got a real aura about him, which um, some of the other guys from NXT don't have to the same extent. So he needs to really work on that and um, accentuate that. And if his in-ring uh, comes along as well, you know, he could be a really credible um, name and a valuable addition to the roster. So, yeah, fair dues. Uh, it, was, it was good to see them put one of the young guys over. Baron Corbin is a young guy who is extremely athletic for his size, and he can work. Again, he can work for his size. On Friday night at NXT TakeOver Dallas, he wrestled TNA original Austin Aries. Austin Aries looked like a dwarf standing next to Baron Corbin. Now, I know there are some TNA fans out there that aren't going to like to hear that, but that's the difference between someone being a star in TNA 
and someone who is a developmental talent in WWE. That's the big difference right there, folks, is that sometimes on the grandest stage, size does matter. And in this case, it does. Now, with a guy like Braun Strowman, I have been very critical of Braun Strowman because I don't think he can work, and I don't think he's ready for spots that he was rumored to be given. WWE didn't go in that direction, so... I can't criticize them. But in this case, they've taken a guy who has tremendous size and a great look and can work, and they've put him in a position to succeed. It's now up to Baron Corbin as to whether or not he will. Any final thoughts on this, Brad, before we move on? Um, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with, with what y'all are saying. I think this is a good spot for Corbin. And I think uh, I think they kind of – like if Bray Wyatt is going to be our new Undertaker-y kind of guy going forward – I think Baron Corbin is our new kind of Kane-ish guy. You know what I mean? Like big guy, comparison. lone wolf, kind of dark personality a little bit. I don't know, but I liked it. Well, I that's really fascinating you mentioned that because he did eliminate Kane. He elim- Oh, yeah, mm. last. Yeah. He did eliminate Kane last. Right. I just remember that. Which will probably yeah. set something up between the two of them. Yeah, and, and it could. But I do want to make one correction uh, to my friend Mo Chatra is this was not the penultimate match. The penultimate match was up next. Oh, yes, it was indeed. And, oh. <laughs> and, and, and that was a segment that was introduced by the lovely Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And, man, oh, did they man. look good in person. They look good. <laughs> and then The Rock came out, and he was accompanied by a flamethrower. <laughs> the Rock can do no wrong. I, when he's, when, uh, so, so my girlfriend, she saw this, and she yeah. said – she, she was watching it live, and she said it looked like he had a T-shirt cannon. <laughs> it did look like a T-shirt cannon. It did. But it wasn't a T-shirt cannon. It was – was, a flamethrower for The Rock. The Rock comes out, lights a sign on fire. So the words Rock lit on fire. He comes marching down to the ring, electrifies the crowd. And then the lights go out. The flashlights come on on the cell phones, 100,000 plus. And we have Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family confronting The Rock. Some great banter between the two of them. And the next thing you know, The Rock's big surprise wasn't announcing the attendance numbers, brother. It was The Rock tearing off his pants, revealing that he was dressed and ready for action, and he had a six-second match with Eric Rowan. He had a six-second match. He broke a record. He did. Uh, fastest match in WrestleMania history, uh, topping the Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus 18-second fiasco a few years ago. I enjoyed this segment. The Rock, man, came – you know, The Rock uh, – I saw this, like, I think it was a Rolling Stone article that said uh, The Rock is Beyonce for guys. And I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I completely agree. I mean, he's so cool. He's so charismatic. He's so likable. He always has the crowd in the palm of his hand. And, uh, you know, with, with The Rock having that match with Eric Rowan, and then it looks like, you know, he says, I'm not here for a WrestleMania fight. I'm here for a WrestleMania match. And, you know, he pulls the, the, the tights off. I mean, it was great. And then, you know, you think he's about to get jumped by the Wyatts, and you hear trumpets play, and a, you know, and uh, John Cena comes out to um, yeah, I talk mean, about main, main roster guys. It was, listen, it was a thunderous pop. Wow. From where we were, it was a thunderous ovation for John Cena. Now, there have been some who sit on the other side of the fence on this, and I want to find out what side of the fence you sit on, Mo, regarding this segment, how Bray Wyatt may or may not have been treated, whether or not this segment was necessary, what did it do, um, your thoughts and opinions on this entire segment featuring Rock, the Wyatts, and John Cena. Yeah, it was a fine segment as far as I was concerned. It didn't really serve any purpose other than to have The Rock coming out and do his thing, but I've got no problems with that because 
when the rod comes out and does his thing, everyone loves it. So why not? Um, with the Wyatts, they clearly haven't been um, pushed in a very coherent or consistent way. Um, you know, one week you think, yeah, the WWE really wants to do something with these guys. The next week, oh, no, no, they're not. Um, so given that kind of, um, you know, very strange booking um, that has plagued the Wyatts ever since they debuted, um, it, it's not a big surprise and it's not something I've got a big problem with. Um it was it was good to see John Cena back as well. He looked uh, in pretty good shape as well, and um, you know certainly that that whole segment went uh, over great with the audience and uh, really picked him up. And I've got to give credit to the audience as well because that was a hell of a long show. And normally, you know, four hours into a show, um, fans are completely burnt out. This was what after six hours into the show and they were going crazy for the rock and Cena. So um, that, that was just really tremendous to see. And especially um, we've got to mention about the problems that so many fans had in getting into the building in the first place. Um, you know, that, that could have really uh, put a damper on the occasion, but it certainly didn't. Uh, the crowd was great all night. Now that's one thing. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I've, I've seen some, some people who have reported that. And and it's interesting because we walked right up and and got we we got right through security. Now, there was a line, but they seemed to be proceeding through uh, pretty easily as well. Um, I think one of the biggest issues were they were checking to make sure that people didn't have firearms on them or a bomb on them or somebody was was coming in there. Uh, with the intentions of doing something stupid or harming somebody. But I mean, beyond that, I didn't really see any problems. Um, other than the usual problems of getting over 100,000 people into a building. Um, well, what, what, have, what have uh, you heard? Well, well apparently the uh, Wi-Fi uh, uh, within the building went down, and because the tickets had uh, barcodes on them, they couldn't scan the tickets through. So that was why there was apparently a delay. And I saw plenty of pictures and photos and videos of fans who uh, were, you know, queued up and bunched up, um, even as the show was running, um, certainly during the pre-show, um, in the concourses and places like that, where the security people were not allowing them to go through. And um, it certainly seemed like there was a problem. It could, it could be because you guys are VIPs that you were able to just sail on through. But uh, for all the normal humanoids, um, they had to kind of uh, stay back and <laughs> wait their turn. And it seemed that some people waited a heck of a long time to get in. That's actually true. We, Brad and I, we crowd surfed into the. Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, so we <laughs> just, we just crowd surfed right over. I the actually game. had a magic carpet that took me into the <laughs> <Okay>. building. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, here we go. It's time to get to the main event of the evening. It was the King of the Roman Empire, Roman Reigns versus the King of Kings, Triple H. And my God, what an entrance for Triple H! Now, now listen. The champion normally doesn't come out first, but in this case, with the elaborate entrances that Triple H normally has, this was necessary. And let's talk for a minute about Stephanie McMahon, who had me I'm, – I'm not ashamed to say it – sexually aroused, okay? <laughs> by, this, by, this, by this introduction, she is a fine female specimen. What a wonderful, wonderful woman she is, and what an entrance. 
Stephanie McMahon introing her husband, the King of Kings. You know, I always thought Stephanie McMahon was, you know, attractive, obviously. But uh, I, I remember back in September when I was uh, backstage at the United Champion show, like her and I, we got to spend a few minutes uh, talking with one another. And just the whole time, I'm just like, man, this woman is so much more beautiful in person. And and then we saw her again on, on Sunday, and she was looking, you know what's coming, she was looking good. <laughs> Good. And I, I was like, man, and what a speech she had. What an entrance. I mean, this was the pageantry of WrestleMania, and Triple H's entrance was awesome. So here we go. Uh, let's talk about the match itself because yeah. Roman Reigns comes out, and his reception was the opposite of Sasha Banks. Oh, the, the, the polar opposite of Sasha Banks. I have. It was as if this guy had killed family members of 100,000 people in there. <laughs> it was absolutely, it was just booze raining down everywhere. How did it sound on TV, Mo? Because I can attest for being there live, it was brutal. Did it sound muffled on television or did they let it fly? Well, I think at the start when he made his entrance, um, they certainly seemed to have the crowd mics on and um, there was certainly uh, a lot of booing that was coming through. Um, at the end of the match, though, um, that was completely silent. So they said all you could hear was his music raining uh, through the uh, um, speakers in the arena. And that, and that was it. So they seemed to completely turn the volume down. I don't know if that's because people were not booing, but I'm, I'm sure they must have been because... Uh, that result can't have been a popular one uh, when he uh, defeated Triple H for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Well, one thing uh, I can say for certain is that every time that Roman Reigns was getting his offense in, they were booing him relentlessly. It, yeah. was, it was There was no mercy there. Yeah, there was no mercy. I think this is the one match where fans can have a legitimate gripe about the outcome, and, and, and it's a warranted one because you know, we're all expecting something to happen, and we're like, certainly, and I said it for months. I said it for months certainly they weren't going off the air with 100,000 people booing Roman Reigns. And, I mean, it, it, and, and, it, but, we, but we, Matt, at the same time, we predicted it on our show. WWE was going to run the ball, and, and they did. Yeah, they did. And, and, and whether or not that's a good idea for the company still remains to be seen, unless there is a dramatic shift in the character of Roman Reigns and the way he is portrayed on TV. I do not think it will be what's best for business. Mo, again, I mean, if we can get inside the head of the decision makers at WWE, why would they make a decision like this? Not only to have Reigns go over as the champion, but to do it in a fashion where he does it as a babyface, overcoming all the odds. And as the show goes off the air, he's lifting the title in the air with a giant smile on his face, completely ignoring the fact that AT&T Stadium hates him. It was a big uh, stick in the middle finger up at the WWE fans, wasn't it? Um, you know, it was a company saying, look, we will do what we want. You will not tell us what to do. We will not be dictated by you. We know what's best. And this was um, one of the best examples in WWE history of that. Cle clearly, clearly the fans uh, will not accept him as a bona fide main eventer. Well, not just yet. Um, but nonetheless, WWE um, insist on pushing him as a baby face and uh, are intent on getting him over as a baby face. And I can sort of understand why they don't want to go down the heel route, even though, um, based on Raw, it seems like they're reluctantly going in that direction. And I, I think the reason for that is, is because uh, they feel he's quite marketable to kids, and it would certainly be difficult for them to market towards their younger fan base if um, Roman Reigns is a heel. 
and they clearly know that uh, John Cena is fast approaching uh, 40 years of age, at which point it's difficult to market a middle-aged man uh, to uh, eight-year-olds. So they need to have a successor for Cena as a baby face, face of the company, and they think that Roman Reigns is it. But I think the only way to really get him over as a face is what many people have been saying for a long time, turn him heel first and then uh, turn him back into uh, the face side uh, later on down the line. And I think that will happen, uh, but the heel direction is where he needs to go. As for the match itself, uh, it was an anticlimactic match, I thought. It was an okay match, but nothing more than that. It shouldn't have gone on last. We talked about how Shane and The Undertaker should have gone on last. But Triple H's ego is what it is, and he wanted to be able to say that he was in the main event of uh, the show that drew the record attendance for the WWE. So that was his decision, I'm sure, and it was a wrong one. And the uh, flat kind of ending to the show and the fact that the match wasn't particularly great um, just kind of confirmed that that wasn't the right thing to do. I I I uh, don't think it was Triple H's call. I think this was a Vince call all the way. Um, I think I think Triple H and Matt. We talked about this. I don't know if it was on the air or, or if it was when we were just driving around Dallas. Triple H gets I think more flack than he deserves um, from a backstage perspective. But anyway, I think this was a Vince call. But I agree, Mo. This shouldn't have gone on last. This was not the the match to close with. I I, I have to agree. Um, well, I have to agree with Mo uh, in part, and I also have to agree with you, Brad, in part. The part that I agree with Mo on is that I do feel like the match was anticlimactic. This is the main event of the biggest WrestleMania of all time, and yeah. people came away booing. Um, and it was exactly what I said could not happen. It's not what they wanted to have happen, but it happened anyway. Now to agree with you, Brad. Yes, I do think that Triple H is sometimes served up. Uh, flack and criticism that's that's undeserving of him. I think at the end of the day, this is a cross that Vince asked him to bear. And that cross was this. Roman is our guy unless Cena comes back and he's healthy and we can transition to Roman later on. But they still have Roman pegged as the guy going forward. It is your job, Triple H, to get this guy over. To quote, I mean, I know it's a joke, but to make Roman look strong. It's your job to tell the story with Roman Reigns and help get him over with these people. And Triple H is saying, I'm Triple H. I can do this. If anybody in this company can do this, it's me. But the problem doesn't lie with Triple H. The problem lies with Roman Reigns because the crowd has been universally rejecting Roman in this role for months. And the company has been ignoring the pleas and the cries from the fans to put somebody else in this spot. And as a result, this is what we got. We got an anticlimactic finish to what I thought was an overwhelmingly very entertaining and enjoyable show. But at the end of the day, this match fell flat and some could argue it was the worst match on the card. So there you have it. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go as so far as to say it was the worst match on the show. Um, I thought there were several that were worse, but um, it certainly wasn't a great match. And I thought it had the potential to be a great match because Triple H is a great worker and he had a really, really great match against uh, Dean Ambrose only two, three weeks prior to this one. Um, but um, yeah, the fans clearly uh, anticipated the ending and they wanted to turn it into um, uh, almost like a, a match that was all about them because, you know, they were chatting for Sami Zayn and Nakamura and Bailey, and um, they clearly were shitting on the match because they didn't accept what they, th what they saw coming, which was Roman Reigns um, emerging victorious. 
And when that happened, clearly they show their dissatisfaction. And, um, you know, WWE, I think, has, as you mentioned, um, acknowledged that. And that's why we started to see a bit of a subtle change in his character uh, the next night on Raw. All right, here we go. Final thoughts, guys, on WrestleMania 32. We've recapped the card. We've talked about everything that's happened here. You and I experienced it live, Brad. Mo, you experienced it at home watching on the WWE Network live. So I'll start with you, Brad. Based on your experiences, based on the recap that we've had and the time to reflect, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give WrestleMania 32 and why? Simple. Nine and a half. And why? Uh, because the experience was was off the charts, uh, the pageantry, the the spectacle of WrestleMania. We saw so many moments, so many WrestleMania moments within one WrestleMania. You know, you, you saw Shane, you saw the women's championship and a great match that was. You saw the, the Zack Ryder thing, unexpected. You saw Stone Cold, uh, HBK and all that. You saw The Rock wrestle. We weren't expecting The Rock to wrestle. A Cena return. Um, I mean, just the entrances were elaborate. There was 100,000 people in there. I mean, the atmosphere was crazy. So um, may maybe one or two booking decisions could have gone the other way. But I personally, I can make an argument about every booking decision going the other way and why it could go that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's wrestling. It, it's subjective, actually, at the end of the day, who wins and loses. It's And it wasn't about that on, on Sunday night. It was about WrestleMania and the spectacle. So that's why. Mo, your thoughts on this WrestleMania on a scale of 1 to 10. What do you give it and why? I give it a seven. Um, and I, I have to point out that's a seven in the context of WrestleMania. This is the biggest show of the year. And as the biggest show of the year, I think it should be uh, the best show, certainly one of the best shows of the year. I don't think it will quite be that level. Um, I, th I thought there was just too much um, average or just above average stuff uh, for my liking. Yeah, I agree. There were a lot of great moments on the show, um, but some of the booking was really, really bizarre, and I just didn't understand some of the decisions they made. But that said, um, several of the matches were great, and it was great to see um, the likes of uh, Sasha Banks be so over with that audience. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a seven. If it was a normal show, I'd probably go eight or even a nine, um, but by WrestleMania standards, I'd go with a, a seven. So is it one of the great WrestleManias of all time? No. Um, is it one of the worst? Absolutely not. Far from it. It's certainly one of the better WrestleManias and uh, one that will certainly live long in the memory, especially for you two who are there live. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I have two scores here, and let me explain what they are. Um so my first score is this, my score from being there live and experiencing this thing in person. It is an experience that I will never forget. It was probably the coolest night of my life and probably one of the, if not the best experience I will ever have in my life, being a part of this and, and, and because it really was overwhelming to the senses. So for that reason and because of me enjoying most of the matches on this card, I would give it a nine because of my live experience. If I were to watch this on the WWE Network instead, based on some of the decisions that were made on this card, more specifically Roman Reigns defeating Triple H clean and Brock Lesnar defeating Dean Ambrose in, in, in a rather convincing fashion, I would have to give this show an eight. Therefore, my total score will be an eight and a half for this show i think an eight and a half is a is a fair number for this card considering the fact that there were some poor decisions that were made there were some other decisions and moments that i thought were great 
And there were some people that argued this was a very predictable WrestleMania. I don't know how anybody could have predicted Zack Ryder would have won the Intercontinental Championship or Chris Jericho would have defeated AJ Styles or that Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley would have found themselves in a confrontation with the League of Nations. Uh, those things to me are very unpredictable. And I think you have to consider that as well when you're rating this WrestleMania. So my score is an eight and a half. As it can sometimes happen with podcasts, they run over, especially when you're dealing with a multitude of subjects, or in this case, a subject that has a multitude of opinions, and that's precisely what WrestleMania 32 brings to the table. So now that we've offered our thoughts and opinions on WrestleMania, come back to PWI later this week for part two of our discussion, where we discuss the Monday Night Raw, the night after WrestleMania, and we have a lively debate regarding the actual or real attendance numbers of WrestleMania. Were they 101,000? Were they 97,000? Were they 85,000? Brad Gilmore, Mo Chatra, and myself debate that. And in addition, we take your questions in part two of this special edition of PWI coming at you later this week. Thanks to everybody for listening. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.